Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Stu, highlight of the podcast today. And there are many of them. Yes, I agree. There were many, many highlights of the podcast. I think the po- the highlight for me was uh, your observation. We kind of went back and forth with Pat Gray on this as to how we, how what the left is doing and overstepping and going so far to the left is actually helpful to us here on the right. Mm. We, we, we get angry about it a lot, but we should recognize that this is maybe our best hope. You had pointed it out. You've said it for years that in their arrogance, they will fall. And this is what we're talking about. I mean, it really it hadn't connected with yep. me that you've been, you've been saying that for years. And this, this moment, I think, is a great illustration of it. We also uh, spent some time on a new poll that has just been released. Um, we had the exclusive on it uh, about how people feel about the Supreme Court and the Constitution. But we got into specifics. Uh, we are a very divided country. And when you see the responses from Democrats and 18 to 35-year-olds, it is disturbing. Uh, we talked about civil war and wh- how do you come together when you just don't believe the same things anymore? Also, Elizabeth Warren and her uh, attack on women's health centers. It's pretty evil, and it's on today's podcast. Brought to you by Goldline. I'm just sitting here with uh, Goldline's latest gold coin. It's uh, a Ben Franklin round. Uh, these, in the past, I don't know who made this, but in the past we've made them with a Canadian mint. It's a quarter ounce of solid gold. has Ben Franklin on the front, and then on the back, it's tremendous. It has the seal that he wanted to make uh, the seal of America, which, boy, we weren't a religious people, right? Uh, it's the pharaoh with Moses looking down at the Red Sea as the waters close in on Pharaoh and his army with the pillar of fire uh, up above. That was our original seal, the proposal from Ben Franklin. You can get this now at Goldline, uh, and for every one of these that is sold, I can't remember what it is, just off the top of my head, it's it's like five or ten silver Mind Your Business uh, uh, coins, which the the silver bars, Mind Your Business, was actually was the predecessor of In God We Trust on our coins. I love it. Mind Your Business. Um, you can get them now as a hedge against inflation at Goldline, 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Eric July's Ripaverse comics kind of putting a uh, stake in the ground, one that Marvel and DC should pay attention to. Uh, he has an independent comic book uh, coming from Ripaverse Comics, pre-order sales for its debut series, 
I think it's ISOM number one, uh, have blown way past expectations. Uh, it's a pre-order campaign. They had a, t- a target of $100,000 in sales. The, uh, the total sales revenue for July 1st, uh, uh, July's first comic book series has approached $1 million in its first day. Not going to, uh, not going to be a woke comic book. Eric July is in charge of it. Uh, we're going to have to have him on this week. That, that's amazing. Amazing. A million dollars in the first day of comic book sales for a comic book that doesn't exist and characters that are all brand new. It just promises not to be woke. It's really Look cool. out. Eric's yeah. a good dude Look too out. and uh, he deserves yeah. it. He's super creative I and uh love him. and and deserves all of the success but like really legitimately blowing through expectations, even his own expectations by a lot. I mean, it's got to you can't just raise a million dollars on something like this in a couple of days and not be noticed. I, you know, you'd think that these companies would be one all day. over this. Yeah, one day. I think it's over. Yeah. My, I thought last I saw one it was day. right near a million, so it's got to be over that by now. So uh, Starbucks is, by the way, say hello to Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed. Hello, Pat. Hello, Glenn. Stu. Pat. Uh, Star- Starbucks is, re- is closing 16 of its stores in response to spiking crime, including assault and drug use and theft in their stores. Huh. Now, what could have caused that? Hmm. Stunner. You know, it might be that they said, you know, you can use our our facilities, you know, uh, and even put in needle exchanges in some of their bathrooms. <laughs> uh, the 16 stores that will close by the end of this month, five in Seattle, one in Everett, Washington, six in Los Angeles, and two in Portland. Mm. Also, locations in Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. Now, I'm trying to think, what do all of those cities have in common? All in the U.S. Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Uh, yeah, all in yeah. the U.S. That's a good People. one. Yeah. Buildings. Yeah. Huh. Uh, they all serve so coffee. I wonder if it... I mm. wonder. In those cities. Mm-hmm. They all serve coffee. Do you yeah. think any of them... <laughs> Are progressive? Nah, we no, shouldn't even look at that. I'm sure not. Nah, no, I'm sure not. not. <laughs> this couldn't happen to a finer company. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, congratulations. I, I think that they understand what the problem in those uh, locations is. They didn't have enough tampons in the men's room. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And so, yeah. That, oh, yeah. 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 So. It happens a lot. Yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Darn it. Did you guys hear the testimony yesterday on, uh, on uh, you know, who can give birth? Yo, Abortion geez. testimony from, Oof. holy cow. Let me see if we, uh, we have what do we, it. Yeah. What do we have here? Let me, yeah, we have it. Uh-huh. Um, this is from yesterday's, uh, yesterday's hearing. Uh, it's a law professor from UC Berkeley. Uh, and she's talking to Josh Hawley, and he's he's asking about can men get pregnant. Listen to this. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. <laughs> it, would that be women? 
many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's no. rights issue. It's a, We it's, can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not no. recognizing no. that. Wow, no, no. I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have mm-hmm. attempted suicide. So I think it's important. Because of my line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it? Because <laughs> denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm denying that trans people exist by asking you you if you're talking about women having pregnancies. I mean, this is like, oh my gosh. It's like a religious dedication to being stupid. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's like a, the, I wish they would be dedicated to something, something, uh, some other pursuit. What, what is this? But what is this? The, they all, we all know what we're talking about. And she's acting as if Josh Hawley asking if this is a women's rights issue is causing people. suicides. It's insanity. So ridiculous. No person, no human being could possibly believe that. Yet, yet there she is blurting it out and acting super confident like she's got uh-huh. a big Twitter zinger she's about to post. It's it's amazing. They have completely abandoned it, you know, reality. You crazy is... It absolutely abandoned reality and mm-hmm. they plant their flag in that invisible universe mm-hmm. and they're standing on no ground whatsoever and they're like yeah that's right people can fly people can't fly are are you saying that people who jump off of buildings can't fly you know, people are committing suicide because of your denial that people can fly. What are you talking about? No, the suicide is they keep jumping and off of every- buildings. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, she went on. Uh, here she is uh, on the value of an unborn baby. Do you think a, a baby that is delivered alive has value? Yes. Do you think that a, um, you a, long time. a baby that is not yet born has value? I believe that a person with a capacity for pregnancy has value. They have intelligence. They have agency. They no, have I'm talking about the baby. And I'm talking about the person with a capacity for and I'm, pregnancy. You're not answering the question. I'm asking. I'm, you I'm, think answer, that a, I'm answering a more interesting you question that, to you me. You think That's that a baby works, that is not yet born, <laughs> let's say the day before this mother delivers, do you think that baby has value? I think that the person with the capacity for pregnancy has value and they have the they should have the ability to control what happens to their lives. Well, wow. Good God. Can you imagine? Unreal. Can you even imagine mm. in her, you know, in her classroom, if you wrote a paper and you said and they said, you know, I want it to be about abortion, whatever. And you talked about giraffes. And they, you turn the paper in, it's all about giraffes. And she would say, well, that's not the topic that we were talking about. I know, but this is a more interesting paper. <laughs> do, you think, do you think they would accept that? This person is convinced 
that she is about a hundred times smarter than she is. That's <laughs> yeah. what's fascinating to me about that clip more than anything, because yeah. she's so arrogant, super confident. And it's interesting, you know, we, we play, look, we do this all the time, right? We play clips of, you know, liberals looking stupid and, and answering questions in dumb ways and getting caught in their ridiculous logic. And we do that all the time. It's, it's a fun part of the show. What's interesting about this clip in particular, though, <laughs> is it's, it's going, it's going viral on the left, too, as if she won. Like, as if this was a My good gosh. moment for her, like, oh. as if, because she's so confident and so, me. you know, sassy and, 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 <laughs> and going back at those, those jerks on the right who aren't acknowledging trans people or whatever they, they're saying, like, mm. no person who's connected to reality could possibly think she won these arguments, right? Like, she's just right. completely, she's but, talking but, around it with, like, language tricks to try to deny the reality of the situation mm -hmm. when it's so plainly obvious to any person who has ever lived on this earth that he's right. Yep. But we're still going to act like okay, she's but, right because she said it with confidence. So you don't say, you don't come out and say things like this um, and be this arrogant your first time. You know, your first time and you're like, hey, women can, uh, men can be uh, pregnant as well. The first time that was ever uttered uh, outside of uh, university, it was most likely uttered like, now hear me out. Hear me out. Mm. These people are in their own circles so tight mm -hmm. where there is no dissent that it gives her the arrogance to look down her nose at anyone who thinks differently. And they all, I can guarantee you, she left that hearing and the people around her went, you killed him. Mm -hmm. You killed him. Because all of the people around her are of groupthink. Nobody is looking, did you advance the ball at all? Did you convince anyone? No. I just told them off because they're too stupid. Yeah. And Glenn, what you described there, I would argue, is our greatest hope. The fact that they are so far in these circles and are so convinced they're right of just nonsense that any average person mm -hmm. can decipher and think is insane is the best and thing that's happened to conservatism guys, in 50 years. And Do you remember if Republicans use this in November, yeah. they will win. They will. I would it's the only use way this. to defeat this. They have all the institutions. They have all the power. They mm -hmm. have the media. They have all these things. But the fact that they're so confident and so overstepping mm -hmm. reality is the only thing we have on our side. The only thing we have is the truth. So do you remember uh, when we would gather every morning when we were in New York um, and... We would get down on our knees and we would pray every day. And we were so worried about things. And we prayed and prayed on, okay, what, can you throw us a lifeline here? What, where are we mm -hmm. going? And do you remember the answer? Do you remember the answer I got? In their arrogance, mm -hmm. they yeah. will fail. And they weren't arrogant at that point. And that's why I tried to kind of goad them. Remember, I went on the way and they, I said, they want to tell you. They want to tell you that they're Marxists. They can't right. wait to tell you. Mm. I was hoping to goad them into that. It didn't work. But look at, look at where they are. You know, we're yeah. doing a special tonight. Yeah, we're doing a special tonight on um, uh, the, the 
planning that is going on now, the Women's March training that is going on right now. We have behind-the-scenes video of it. Um, We had somebody go in and take the training with them, uh, and it's pretty powerful. But as we're looking at all of the people who are behind all of the things that you're seeing, it's no longer hard to find. You know, it used to be, well... That person was in the room with this person, and this person is a communist. And, uh, and so it was always at least one degree of separation. Mm. Now it is full on, full on. I think we have video mm. tonight showing you um, the uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez being handled at a rally by the Communist Party. Jeez. I mean, they don't, they don't care anymore. They just nope. don't care. And I, I don't think Americans uh, are down with all of this. I just don't. But again, for the third time already this morning, uh, maybe it's just me. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Justin Haskins, co-author of the great book, The Great Reset, uh, which is uh, still available and on sale wherever you buy your books. The Great Reset, it is a must-have book if you want to understand what's happening in our world today. Justin is uh, joining me now. Hello, Justin. Hey, Glenn. How you doing? Very good. I wanted to take you through a couple of things that are happening around the world with ESG. But first, let's get into this exclusive first look into the poll that just came out on the Supreme Court and the Constitution. Because what it tells me is we may be forced into a civil war. Yeah, this poll was absolutely terrifying (laughs) the results of it Uh, we commissioned this poll with Rasmussen because we were trying to find out what people actually believe about the Supreme Court and uh, and and the Constitution and not just ask the -the run-of-the-mill favorability questions but really get down to how extreme views really have become on this Uh, and what we found was absolutely stunning we asked people whether they believed that um, in separate questions, whether they believe that the Supreme Court was rooted in racism, whether the Supreme Court was rooted in sexism and the same thing about the Constitution and separate questions. We asked what you, you know, what people wanted to do about that. Did, did they want to expand the Supreme Court to uh, 13 seats? So by four seats, uh, did they want to abolish the Supreme Court and create a whole new Supreme Court? Uh, Do they want to put the United Nations in charge of ultimately deciding Supreme Court decisions or having the ability to reverse it? Do they want the United Nations to have the ability to uh, essentially have control over the U.S. Constitution? We asked all these questions. And what we found was that the good news is terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The good news is the majority of voters across the board for now said, no, we don't want any of these things, and we don't hold these radical views about it. But when you started breaking it down by age demographics and party what we affiliation, what we found was that about half, and in some cases as much as 60-65% of Democrats believe that the Supreme Court and Constitution are racist, that they're sexist, 
that we should expand the Supreme Court by at least four seats, that we should abolish the Supreme Court, that we should mostly or completely rewrite the Constitution, and not just based on party affiliation, but also young people basically tracked with Democrats on all of those things, 18 to 39 years old. So horrifying, horrifying results. Let's go through these. Do you have a very favorable, somewhat favorable, somewhat unfavorable, or very unfavorable opinion of the U.S. Supreme Court? Overall, 29% very favorable, 20 somewhat, 18 somewhat unfavorable, 25 very unfavorable, 6%, I don't know. Now, if you look at these, very favorable and somewhat favorable for each party affiliation, Democrats, 33%, Republicans, 72 and Independents, 52 So the Republicans and the Independents are the ones standing by the Supreme Court. And I'm wondering, um, do, you, do you think this poll done two years ago, uh, would have been the same, or is this just because now the court is ruling differently? Yeah, I, I think that in some ways, I think especially on the questions related to sexism, uh, which which was the question that had the most extreme answer, both for the Constitution and the Supreme Court, I think that probably did change slightly because of what we saw with the Roe v. Wade decision, uh, or the Roe v. Wade being overturned. But I actually think when you look at the breakdown of the demographics, the groups that have that have said that they hold these extreme views, younger people, um, African-Americans, Hispanics, um, these these groups really don't have any reason to be particularly upset about some of this information. So, for example, um, why would the Roe v. Wade being overturned, what does that, or any recent Supreme Court decision, what does that have to do with the Supreme Court being rooted in racism, which more than half of these people believe? You know, really nothing. Um, and I think the other thing that, that's sort of a dead giveaway, that um, these views have been very radical for probably quite a while, and they're getting increasingly more radical, is that when we asked about just favorability, you just read those off, the favorability questions were bad, and that's normally what you see in previous polls, right? People ask about favorability. They were bad, but they weren't, they weren't crazy. You wouldn't necessarily look at those and say, well, this is just a crazy group of people. But that's because nobody's been asking them these other questions about, well, do you right. want to abolish the Supreme Court? Do you want to rewrite the Constitution? Do so, you want the United Nations in charge of it? So I just don't think anyone's been asking them so, really the issue. So let's go back. The U.S. Supreme Court is fundamentally racist institution. Democrats say 56%, Republicans 14, Independents 29. I mean, I did the math in my own head. I thought, well, I'm only part of 14% of people that would say that, uh, you know, I, I disagree with the Supreme Court is fundamentally racist. And I thought maybe I should check myself. Is it? No, there have been racist on the Supreme Court. They've made racist uh, style decisions in the past, but that's a product of the time, not the institution. Um, right. Do you strongly agree, somewhat agree or somewhat disagree? Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court is a fundamentally sexist institution. Listen to this. Democrats, 67%. Republicans, 18%. Independents, 36%. 
Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. There are nine justices in the Supreme Court. Same, um, some congressional Democrats have proposed expanding the number to 13. Would you strongly favor, somewhat favor, somewhat oppose, or strongly oppose legislation to increase the size of the Supreme Court to 13 seats? When you look at the numbers, Democrats, 64%, Republicans, 19 and Independents, 37 would you strongly favor, somewhat favor, somewhat oppose, or strongly oppose legislation that would abolish the current Supreme Court and establish a new democratically elected Supreme Court with justices chosen by the American people directly? Can you even imagine what a nightmare that would be? Good. Now we're going to make it political? Um, combined very favorable and somewhat favorable, Democrats, 53% direct election. Republicans, 21%, and Independents, 37%. That's insanity. Would you strongly favor, somewhat favor, somewhat oppose, or strongly oppose a constitutional amendment that would give the United Nations the authority to reverse U.S. Supreme Court decisions that U.N. members believe violate human rights? Democrats, 39%. Republicans, 17 Independents, 30 Wow. So yeah, what do we that, take away from this? Question, that, that last question from the United Nations, it's even scarier when you look at the age demographics, because that was one of the few questions where uh, younger people uh, were actually had more, even, much more extreme views than even Democrats or liberals, because about half of young people, I think it was 48 percent, that's regardless of party affiliation, said that they would favor putting the United Nations, having the ability for the United Nations to overturn U.S. Supreme Court decisions. And even scarier than that is that we asked a separate question about the United Nations being given authority just over the U.S. Constitution and the U.S. government, in effect. And more than half, it was like 53 percent, I think, of 18 to 39 year olds said Yes, let's do that. We strongly or somewhat favor it. And that was much more than any other demographic as well. So what Democrats think scare me, that scares me a lot. But what scares me much more than that is what young people think. Because what happens in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years, when older demographics, which were the groups least likely to support any of these ideas, what happens when they're no longer voting? What happens when younger people and people who are too young to even vote right now, who might have even more extreme views than this for all we know, come into being the, pre, the, the, the dominant political group in America? What happens then? I am deeply concerned that America is not going to thrive the next 10 to 20 years based on these poll results. I, I don't know how you can look <laughs> at these optimistic. poll results and think anything else. Well, I will tell you, they've, this is why they've seized our children um, and are teaching all of this crazy stuff um, in our schools and getting them in, you know, to pre-K. They are indoctrinating uh, our children with false ideology um, and, and false history, false math, false uh, English. All of it, all of it is no longer... Um, mainstream no longer things that are traditional no longer things that are important um you know even atheists will tell you to understand shakespeare you really have to understand 
the Bible. You don't have to believe it's from God, but you have to understand the Bible to understand Shakespeare. We're not teaching Shakespeare, let alone the Bible anymore. Um, we're not teaching history, so we are destined to repeat it. But I agree with you, um, Justin. We, we have two separations going. We have the separation from the everyday people and the elites. That's a big one. But then the elites have taken us and divided us again to fight amongst ourselves on things that we all found self-evident when we were growing up. Um, And so we're divided. The elites seem to be in lockstep, but they've divided us between Republican and Democrat. And we no longer can say e pluribus unum from many one we don't have anything if you want to change the way the supreme court is selected you want to change the number of the supreme court this is something the democrats went crazy over when fdr tried to do it we don't do that once you start adding supreme court justices that is the end of your country you are no longer a uh, you're a banana republic that's what you are and time and time again you add justices to the supreme court just ask venezuela they now have 40 judges on their supreme court they just keep adding them until the government gets the answer that they want or the the ruling party gets the answer that they want it's extraordinarily dangerous and if we don't have the constitution and the bill of rights to come back and bring us together, we don't survive. And I don't know how to compromise with that. There, there is no, there can't be a compromise. We either need to, look, no. either we all need to get on the same page with this, or we need to have two separate countries. That's just the reality of the situation. And I know that's a very uncomfortable idea. I don't want that to happen. I want us all to be on the same page on the basics. But If this trajectory continues in the direction that we're going, that isn't going to happen. This problem is going to continue to get worse. And that's why this idea about the Supreme Court and the Constitution being fundamentally sexist, fundamentally racist, rotten to its core, is such an insidious, horrible thing. Because if it's true that the Constitution is a racist, sexist document, and if it's true that the Supreme Court is a racist and sexist institution, then why would we ever care what they have to say about anything unless they're giving us the answer we want? And that's, that is the fundamental idea that is now shared by many people in the Democratic Party and especially with younger people. And we can thank our schools for that. And you can thank conservative politicians, by the way, for not doing anything about this problem for the past 50 years, too. I think they share in some of the blame as well, even if they're not the ones actually preaching these ideas. Justin, thank you so much. Um, Justin is the co-author of uh, my book, The Great Reset. Please, if you don't have it, get it. Uh, He's also the editorial director of the Heartland Institute and editor-in-chief of StoppingSocialism.com. Basically, what I'm telling you is he's got a full day. You can find all of this information at uh, heartland.org. When does this poll release? Justin? Oh, he's, we hung up on him already? Gee, okay. We lost him. Yeah, he, um, I think the, Justin uh, Haskins. He did say that I believe it is up on heartland.org now. So you can go check it out if you want to dive okay. into the cross tabs and all that stuff. Uh, you can check it out there. 
I want to give you a scenario on saving the country uh, and avoiding a civil war. I want to give you I want to give you a scenario and see how you feel about it. We'll do that in 60 seconds. Stand by. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. transforming the United States of America. And Barack mm. knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. Uh, we're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place. It is amazing. Amazing. Now, uh, with eyes that can turn to the past and see what they have done, this was very well laid out and a very well-moneyed plan. Tonight on Blaze TV, my Wednesday night special, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, we are at the precipice now of the final fundamental transformation of America. And the end of Roe versus Wade and guns will be the battle cries that they use. Last hour, I, I shared with you some... Uh, uh, information, new polls that are out from 18 to 39 or 49 year olds and also Democrats that don't believe over 50 percent don't believe in the Constitution, believe it is racist, sexist. They believe the Supreme Court is racist, it's sexist and that it needs to be abolished. So they're taken to the streets. Now, they have declared the summer of rage uh, but I think it's going to be the fall of rage. We'll show you what's coming to your street. Also show you the leftist radicals. Some have been around since the 1960s that are linked to or the ideological drivers of some of the current bottom-up activists. Because what is coming is top-down, bottom-up, inside-out. It's a plan that includes the highest level of government, the street soldiers on the ground, and the rest of us caught in the middle as our country is turned inside out. We're going to show you some insider um, videotape as well. We sent somebody into one of their training sessions for the Women's March. In fact, let me play, uh, let me play uh, just a couple of uh, clips here. We'll show you more tonight. Um, let's play uh, Cut 10, please. And to all these Supreme Court justices who think they're going to go out and just go on with life as usual, it's on sight. No peace. No Yay. peace. And to the Democrats, it's past time to stop being polite. So they're not going to be polite. Uh, what a surprise uh, on that. No peace for any of these justices. And then they go in to this, cut 11. All we need to do now is say it with me, disobey. Ready? Disobey. 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 So, as we are here today, I want to tell you, at Women's March, that women are tired. 
of you telling us what the f to do. Oh, she swore. Oh. That's what this is about. Violating us, violating our communities, going against our consent. Today we say, stop telling women what to do. It seems so interested Summer in telling all, everybody what to do in all other circumstances. What to do. I know. I know. Um, the uh, Summer of Rage, that was uh, one of the training sessions. We actually sent some brave soul into that crowd. He joins me tonight. Uh, you, don't want to, uh, you don't want to miss that. This is what we told you would come. It's happening, and I think it's going to happen this fall and continue for quite some time. We'll give you all of the people involved tonight 9 p.m eastern only on blaze tv right after a brand new studios america i mean if you have to watch it if you're if you're a shut-in you can you can we are used to have the nurse come in leave it on and you see that too we are totally fine uh absolutely exploiting the shut-in community um studios america it's actually one of our goals so that's yeah. fine um i, yeah, I, I, okay, I wanted good. to mention right. uh, something else because you know you mentioned the training sessions we didn't have any training sessions I mean, you have started to train people lately on on fundamental values and principles of, uh, with the country through Mercury One, um, but like this wasn't something we really had back in the day. And um, I, I was listening to the Daily. This is the podcast from the New York Times, uh, which is I do this because so you don't have to. You know, I, I, I we do this for you, America. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we torture yes. ourselves yes. every day listening to this crap, so you don't have to. Oh, it's horrible. It is. And so they did a big thing on abortion, and they decided they wanted to write the obituary of Roe versus Wade. Uh, this this look back as to what happened in their life. What were the most important things that happened in the Roe versus Wade decision and abortion rights in this country? And um, it was pretty fascinating. They go, she said, the reporter said, everybody on both sides went back to the same thing, which was 2010. And the, of their telling of the story... In 2009, 2010, the pro-life movement was basically dead. I mean, if you go back and think about this at the time, you know, James Carville was writing stories uh, or writing books about how, you know, this was uh, the Republicans were going to be a regional party. I mean, the, the Republican thing was mm -hmm. over. Obama had won. The Democratic demographic changes were coming and they were going to be Republicans were going to be swept into the minority permanently. That was the, that was really the theme of the mainstream media at the time. And um, at this point, we know kind of what happens. The, the, the Tea Party rises. The Obamacare debate goes on. Uh, there is a, a lot uh, of new activism and passion for constitutional values. So the Democrats don't really see this as a threat. They've already won in their minds. History is over, as they would say. So here is a part of, of course, what wound up happening on election night. So on election night, this strategy works beyond their wildest expectations. Hmm. Voters also engineered a change in power in the nation's state legislatures. Republicans swept the state legislatures across the country. With at least 18 state legislatures switching to Republican from Democrat, a net gain of 500 seats. We forget this. We talk about the wave election, and it was one at the national level. But at the state level, 500 seats went to Republicans in that election, the Tea Party wave election. And so the thesis of the New York Times here is that this huge change 
drove people to go to their states and start pushing for things at the state level, thinking more, essentially more locally, uh, working at that level to change abortion laws, not focusing on the federal as much. And so all of this is, is going on. The, the, the New York Times focuses quite a bit on the redistricting process that happens that year. Of course, you know, blame, 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 blame. But the point is that they went to work within the system at the state level and took those 500 seats and the pro-life cause was rejuvenated. It was able to now start passing smaller regulations, small things, things like, you know, um, you can't abort kids based on skin color, you can't abort kids based on their gender, things that seemingly everybody agrees with. I don't know why you would agree with that if you don't think it's a baby and you think you can kill it. Why would you care what color the skin is or what gender it is? That's a whole nother story that perhaps if you are pro-choice, you should examine uh, quite closely. Uh, but this is able to move the Overton window in the New York Times telling to be able to kind of bring us to a place where we would be accepting of changes. Before this, there was no regulations really, even though they were theoretically available, but there wasn't a lot of movement here. So this all, this all happens. And then... They kind of summarize the entire story here. So just to summarize all this, Democrats really failed to foresee the red wave that happened in 2010 at the state level. And their allies in the abortion rights movement were, in a lot of ways, equally unprepared for it because they all figured they were in pretty strong shape. They didn't see the Tea Party movement happening. They all took their eye off the ball. Absolutely. This is the telling, the obituary of Roe versus Wade, in which they're giving you credit. Not you, Glenn Beck, but you in the audience, credit. The people that fought so hard at that time for the Tea Party were the, the beginnings of what we just saw a few weeks ago. And they caught the Democrats by surprise. They were able to win through the system. Uh, the right way and this horrible decision was eventually overturned and it's fascinating to look at that because i think a lot of times with the tea party we being obviously right in the middle of that the whole time along with the audience were we look back at it and we think ah that was a good opportunity we did some good things but it wound up fading and we didn't you know next time we're going to do better we're going to learn things from that the things that went wrong and we can do better next time we shouldn't minimize what actually happened here this is the New York Times is the ones writing that they're going to write the history on this. And their thesis on the history mm-hmm. is it was you, you in this audience who wound up putting together all of your passion for things like, yes, fiscal issues. That was a big part of it, but it was also issues like the pro-life movement that wound up turning the entire direction of the country in a decade. It didn't seem at all possible to- at that time. And what's what's amazing is we didn't have training seminars. We didn't have a team of social scientists. Mm. We didn't have big money. I mean, these groups are getting million dollar checks left and right. Mm -hmm. We didn't get any of those. We it was all nickels and dimes. Uh, And we went up against Goliath. And in the end, I mean, that's the one thing I love in uh, Barack Obama's uh, autobiography. He's very clear the damage that was done to him by the Tea Party. He's like, they they, uh, thwarted my agenda. And, you know, he calls us racist and everything else. But 
he is very clear on how he didn't get everything done that he wanted to get done because of the Tea Party. So whenever you're feeling small and insignificant, uh, don't, don't forget what was done just 10 years ago. It made a huge, huge difference.